is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 9 Our City Podcast. We're back in action today. We're going to dive right into it another week through the Major League Baseball season. Mets are on a hot streak. Just won two out of three against the Pirates. Let's take a listen. As he's had a three-hit game. Remember that. And McNeil drives one deep to right. Forget that. McNeil has crushed one into the bleachers and right. Number 13 for McNeil. He's homered in back-to-back games. And he puts some icing on the cake. It's now 13 to nothing, New York. Boy, they are just feasting off this pirate pitching staff. Courtesy of SNY, Mets beat up on the Pirates today, 13-2 to win two out of three against the Tigers. They're now one game under 500. They're nine and one in their last ten. They've improved now to just ten and a half back in the division, and now three and a half back of a wild card spot. So here come the Mets. After all seemed lost earlier in the year. They won seven in a row and then that was snapped in game one of the series against the Pirates and then they came back and won the last two games of the series with some big offense. We saw Marcus Stroman make his Mets debut. Not the best Marcus Stroman we've seen but certainly did his job uh, to keep the Mets afloat in the race and they quickly found themselves back in it you know just when it looked like they hit rock bottom and they weren't going to go anywhere they were going to sell off everyone they were going to call it a year and then focus on 2020 they come right back out of the all-star break they're 15 and 6 since the all-star break which is the best record in all of baseball they have a staff era under three including bullpen and starters since the start of the second half they are the only team in baseball with a combined ERA under three during that span. Their offense is continuing to produce like we know they have or can, like they've done it all year. And all in all, it is looking really good. They're heading home this week. They got a quick, uh, or they got a doubleheader tomorrow with the Marlins. Then they got Tuesday and Wednesday, so a nice four-game series with the Marlins. Three games against the Nationals. Then they're back on the road. The Mets took perfect opportunity of the easiness, I guess, of their schedule. So to open the second half, they played some relatively weak teams. Outside of the Minnesota Twins, they played the Marlins, the Giants, the Pirates, the White Sox, the Padres. Those are weaker teams, and they've taken full advantage of it. They've beaten up on the weaker teams and have found themselves right back in the race. The true test, though, is the end of August where they have Atlanta twice, the Indians, the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Phillies. And then when we fast forward to September, they have Washington again, the Phillies again, the Dodgers once more, and then the Braves to close out the year. The rest of those games that I did not mention are series against teams that have a record under 500. So the Mets have quickly improved themselves to the point where they're definitely in a playoff position. You know, they got a lot of momentum on their side coming home. 
They're beaten up. They're taking advantage. I shouldn't say beaten up, but they really are. They're taking advantage of the teams that are under 500 and improving their stance against them. Now we're just wondering, is this sustainable? You know, they're 28 and 20 at home, 27 and 36 on the road. They improved a lot on their road record since the this during this current road trip since the all-star break they've improved a lot on that their run differential is now down to minus two which i love they're all almost have a positive run differential they haven't been 500 since the end of may so looking at it from a fan standpoint there's a lot to be excited about right now they're 30 and 42 though against teams this year that have a better record than 500 That need, it does need to be better. And when they have the teams coming in that they're going against that are above 500 that they have the rest of the year, it's certainly going to be a true test to see if they're for real. You know, they're facing a team. Indians are 20 games over. Atlanta's 20 games over. The Cubs are 8 games over. Dodgers are 30-plus games over 500. So you got some really good teams. Arguably the World Series favorite in the Dodgers. Uh, arguably the AL Central's best team in Cleveland. You still got to take on. But it's going to be really fun to watch down the stretch. In my eyes, it's going to be awesome to watch. I'm looking forward to it. They have a chance to hop another team in the wildcard standings today, assuming Arizona loses to Washington. Patrick Corbin returns to Arizona. If that holds up, if the Arizona loses, Mets will jump up a spot, and then they'll still have to jump San Francisco, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and either Washington or St. Louis, depending on where they fall by the time the Mets get up to that point, to get into at least a wild card spot. You know, three and a half games out with just under two months to play, plenty of time to make up that deficit, you know. You got three. Milwaukee's been struggling a lot lately. They've lost three in a row. San Francisco doesn't have, in my honest opinion, doesn't have the firepower to stay up where they are. It's really going to be between the Cardinals, Nationals, Phillies, and if the Mets can keep this up, the Mets will be in there as well. And it's just playing out like we thought at the beginning of the year. We were going to see three teams in the NL East, you know, with Atlanta presumably winning the division, and then the Phillies and uh, Mets. And nationals all duking it out in the wild card. So you had four teams, potentially four contending teams in that division. I mean, it's not like the AL or NL Central where almost every team was in contention at one point. The Pirates have fallen off the rails a little bit, but there's a lot to be excited about. Um, Mets are returning home now with their momentum. They got the home crowd on their side. They have four games against the Marlins, which are going to be huge. To show what they have, and I say huge because the that series will set the tone for this. I want, I guess, rough stretch of August, where the Mets are playing. You know, the Braves, the Indians, the Cubs, the Phillies, the Nationals. So it's going to make it a little more interesting down the stretch. J.D. Davis, we're gonna um, before. I just saw a picture of him, so it just got me thinking. We'll talk about him in a minute. 
but this series against the Marlins, if they win three out of four, they can sweep. They will be in great shape in terms of momentum and a lot of firepower to take on Nash, the Nationals, the Braves, the Indians, the Cubs, those powerhouse teams in their divisions, which hopefully they can take advantage of. You know, even if they're only winning, you know, two out of three or splitting a four-game set two apiece or even winning one, they cannot afford to be swept, bottom line. In any of those series, they cannot be swept. But they, if they at least can win one, they need, should win two, but if they can at least win one in each series, you know, those games are going to add up over time. Uh, as I just mentioned previously, J.D. Davis, we're going to talk about him because he has been absolutely tearing apart baseballs over the past couple weeks. With Dom Smith heading on the IL, J.D. Davis is getting a lot of the playing time. In 2019, he's hitting 297 with 11 homers, 33 RBIs, and an 848 OPS. And I think it's 12 home runs because he homered today. I just want to double check on that. If, it, if that was updated or not. Yeah, that is updated. He does have 11 homers on the year. And at, like I said, the 848 OPS. His last 15 games, he's hitting 388 with a 464 on base percentage, slugging 592 with two homers, eight RBIs, and 19 hits over that strike. Over his last 30 games, he's hitting 346. He is absolutely tearing it up, taking full advantage of the playing time he's giving with Dom Smith being out of it. He added to that with um, three RBIs today. Todd Frazier also had three RBIs today. So all in all, things are looking really good for the Mets, especially with their pitching. Uh, for the game, for the doubleheader tomorrow, Jacob DeGrom's getting game one. Walker Lockett, who's coming up as a 26th man, will get game two of the doubleheader. And all in all, it's looking really good if you're the Mets. I mean, if you saw that, if for those of you who aren't aware, if you saw that thing from Pete Alonso on Twitter, that giant paragraph that he was saying, like, thank you for the support and all that, and he ended it with hashtag LFGM, I'll let you use your imaginations as to what that stands for. I think, I know some of you guys probably have a very good idea of it, but... To see that, and then Brody Van Wagenen sent one out too, something like similar to that. So they're feeling it in that clubhouse, which is awesome to see. When they look dead in the water, you know they brought in Stroman, get some energy going. They started winning games. We saw the seven-game win streak earlier this week. It's been really exciting to watch, and it's not when you turn on the Mets now. It's not, uh, the Mets anymore. It's this team's doing something. You know, and one of those guys we talked about JD Davis. We talked about the pitching staff being lights out uh, since the All Star break. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is finally becoming the player that the Mets were hoping for. Uh, I'm pulling up his I have his numbers up right here. It was just loading for a second. He's hitting 280 on the year. Got a 761 OPS 
47 RBIs, 11 homers, which is a career high. And over his last 15 games, he's hitting 328, slugging 448. And over his last seven games, he's slugging 448 while hitting 414 with an on base of 433. So especially this last week, along with really since the All-Star break and a little before that, Ahmed Rosario is also, along with J.D. Davis, have absolutely been raking. And the Mets are also, or another bat that was starting to pick up a little bit was, of course, McNeil, as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, he's got back-to-back games with a home run. Is another bat that's been picking it up is Robinson Cano. However, it's a little... A little disheartening today, not going to lie. Cano already had two doubles on the day, hit what looked like would have been his third, and then rounding first came up limping a little bit and was taken out of the game with quad tight or uh, quad tightness. And most likely this may be an IL stint, which is good and bad. It's bad because you're losing a key left-handed bat in your lineup in Cano. But it's good because though you are losing that bat, <clears throat> you have plenty of depth in the minor leagues that Brody acquired. You got Luis Guillorme down there. You got Dilson Herrera, Danny Espinosa. You got um, Ruben Tejada. All sorts of guys down there with major league experience. You got Danny Echevarria already up. You know, they got a lot of ways to go about this. They could put Echevarria out there and leave the rest of the roster the same. They could put um, put McNeil back at second, and then Lagares would get more playing time. Although with the way Lagares has been hitting this year, you know, but you would be getting better defense, but offensively you'd lose a little bit. So, and, or they could bring up guys from AAA. So, in terms of that, I mean, yeah, it sucks he's hurt, but in terms of how the Mets will fare, they'll be fine. They got plenty of options they can use to fill in his spot that is a big hole to fill but they have plenty of guys that are certainly capable of filling in that spot uh today's episode was a little bit run uh, a little bit quicker pace but uh you know the Mets raking it and we're they've been the best team in baseball since the break and one of the more exciting teams to watch. I'm excited to see how it goes down the stretch. But we're going to end this episode off with our weekly MLB wrap-up. Some big things happening last night down in Houston. Let's take a listen. That's right, Houston Astros last night threw a combined no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. Aaron Sanchez in his Astros debut started off with six no-hit innings, two walks and six strikeouts. Will Harris 
Craig, I'm so, I'm not saying his last name correctly. Or excuse me, Joe. Joe B- Biagini and Chris Davinsky all pitched an inning of no hits allowed. Davinsky and Biagini each had a strikeout as well as the Astros threw their 12th no-hitter in franchise history. And of course, just because of the way baseball is, Aaron Sanchez, his first start with Houston, throw six no-hit innings. Just because that's how baseball is. But I mean, no-hitters, combined no-hitters, aren't, in my opinion, aren't as exciting as a regular or one guy with a no-hitter. But they're still pretty cool to watch. You know, it's still really cool to see stuff like that. And then things didn't get easier for Seattle. It's today they took on Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander joins his teammate Garrett Cole as the only two pitchers now in baseball with 200-plus strikeouts. So, with Houston, that was awesome. They had their Hall of Fame induction ceremony last night, and they had some alumni in the building to do that as well as have Justin Verlander uh, add to the 200 strikeout repertoire for his already amazing career is certainly worth noting. Also worth noting, Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies, have made kind of a big move. They have optioned Michael, Michael Franco to AAA Lehigh Valley, and they've activated Brand, Brad Miller, who was on the injured list with right hip, hip flexor strain. Uh, Michael Franco was on the opening day lineup, and he is now heading down to AAA because he's just simply is not doing the job. This season he slashed in 231, 296, 405 with 15 homers and 47 RBIs. And compared to what he did last year, it's well below what the Phillies were expecting from him. It's really probably it sucks a lot for the Phillies. Probably I would assume just because you were thinking this guy coming into the year is going to be your corner store cornerstone player, and he comes up and and he comes into the year after what the year you got from him last year and just doesn't do it. It's Huge blow to your offense, especially with the Phillies, the position the Phillies are in. It's tough to see, but <clears throat> things are starting to. Uh, for the Phillies, things you know they're looking fairly good. They're half game out of the wild card. They're at fifty-eight, fifty-three, and five and five in their last ten. So they're still chugging along. You know they're gonna need everybody to continue to do what they're doing. They need their pitching staff to step up. Especially guys like Jake Arrieta. They acquire or they signed Drew Smiley. They went out and got Jason Vargas from the Mets, as we know. So it's really just their pitching stepping up and their offense to keep doing what they're doing. And the Phillies I think will be just fine. I don't know if they necessarily have it all to make the playoffs. But speaking of the Phillies they went into a 15-inning game with the White Sox earlier this week. They lost that game 4-3. to <clears throat> Ramon Quinn 
a position player took the loss. What I thought was awesome, they had, or probably wasn't their best decision. I understand. I'll talk about why I understand why they did it, but because I do understand why they did it. Ramon Quinn they had out there and pitching. They had Vince Velasquez, one of their starters, out in left field. Now, the reason I thought they did that was because, you know, they have Ramon Quinn on the mound. This would save an arm. You put Vince Velasquez out there in left field just to hold the spot. And then when you're ready to take Ramon Quinn out, you put him out in left field. And then you put Velasquez on the mound. And then, you know, you don't lose a position player. You don't have to waste another bullpen arm if, if this is all making sense. But Vince Velasquez, not only did he make a nice diving catch, he also did this. And a line drive base hit to left field. Abreu to third. They're waving them all. The throw to the plate by Velasquez on a couple of hops is in time. How about that? Vince Velasquez with an outfield assist. He threw a seed. How about that? After he all he made a diving catch the next inning, and then he also threw out a runner at the plate. How often do you see that from a pitcher? That's all. I thought that was so freaking cool to see. Uh, Vince Velasquez throw out a runner at the plate, and that even though the Phillies did end up losing that game, it was one of those like rare kind of cool moments that you see but it was certainly one of the more um, exciting things that have happened in baseball this year and then in Minnesota we also had some magic happening take a look That's right, twin slugger Nelson Cruz continues his hot stretch with his second three-homer game in the last 10 days. How That's something you definitely don't see a lot. He's climbed all the way back up. The 39-year-old now has 30 homers on the year, 72 RBIs, hitting 295, hitting 415 over his last 15 games, over his last seven games. <laughs> this is unbelievable. He's hitting 524, getting on base at an even 600, and is slugging 1381 with 14 RBIs and 5 home runs. His last 30 games, he's hit 17 home runs. That would make his previous, what, about 70 games or so beforehand, because the Twins have played about 100, a little over 100 games this year. He's only hit 13 homers. <laughs> so he's hit... In half the amount of time, he's got four more homers than at the start of the year. So another one of those cool things that happened the other night. Also, we saw Trevor Bauer make his Reds debut. We saw Marcus Stroman make his Mets debut. Today, Tanner Roark made his Oakland A's debut. So a lot of things going on around the baseball world, but obviously we saw 
Vince Velasquez nail a runner at the plate. Nelson Cruz with another three homer game as the Twins look to keep to hold off. Uh, uh, excuse me, Cleveland, I couldn't think of their name, who's quickly coming up on their tails. All in all, it was an ex exciting week of baseball. So that's going to wrap it up for episode 9 of the Our City Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember to like this video and subscribe. Share it with your friends. Show your friends what we're all about. Leave comments if you have any questions about what you want us to talk about or any just general thoughts you want us to answer. We'll be back next Sunday with episode 10. The Mets have four with Miami and then another series with the Nationals. Hopefully they're back over 500 and it and or in the wild back in a wild card spot by the next week when we talk thank you for tuning in for today's episode and let's go Mets